Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. And a very warm welcome back to Solidarity Breakfast. A left response to the major developments in capitalism. What they trade in is not wheat. They trade in famine. A little dose of revolutionary optimism. I think it's really important to sort of express solidarity globally. It really is a deal by corporations for corporations. The union forever defending our rights down with the black leg. If you think the ABC's left wing, don't listen to this program. Solidarity Breakfast, 7.30 to 9am Saturdays, 3CR, 8.55am. Streaming and 3CR digital, podcast or audio on demand. And of course, the website, solidaritybreakfast.org.au. Solidarity forever! Good morning, everybody. Annie here for Solidarity Breakfast, and today we've got an action packed package for you. Uh, Today we're going to later on talk to uh, Sue Bolton about her activism uh, as she proceeds to the uh, November election in Victoria. We're going to uh, talk a little bit about the Batman election, not so much the result, although it was uh, probably a lot closer than people realise, the primary vote for the Labor candidate, the Jed Carney, did increase the primary vote, but it was quite close between uh, Labor and Greens. Uh, but that's not the focus of our report. Our focus is really that there were five far-right candidates in the bad Batman election, and so we talked to the Collective Against Racism and Fascism, who had a group of people there Uh, highlighting the fact that uh, this is a dangerous trend in Australian politics, uh, mainstream politics. Uh, And uh, we also have, of course, this is the week that was, and we're going to be talking to uh, uh, about uh, public housing. But before we do, let's uh, hear some important things. Dear listeners, the annual Good Friday charity radiothon of the Australian Medical Aid Foundation will kick off from 9am to 6.30pm on Friday the 30th March. 3CR is dedicating its media space to support this noble cause. Therefore, 3CR's regular program will not be on air during this time. The funds raised from this 10-hour radiothon will be utilised to supply medical aid, equipment, training, patient-centred care programs and resources to those affected by 30 years of war in the north and east of Sri Lanka. You too can become a generous partner by calling us on 03-9419-8377 during the radiothon on 30th Friday to donate towards this wonderful initiative. Solidarity Breakfast with Annie and you may not have caught up but you may have caught up with the fact that the Victorian government as well as other governments around Australia are actually in the process of preying on public housing and uh, the uh, so-called public housing renewal uh, legislation that uh, is lurking in the wings in Victoria or is 
built around the notion that a whole range of the uh, well-placed uh, walk-ups in nine different locations in uh, uh, in Melbourne are going to be, have their, pub, their land titles given over to private developers and the idea is that they're going to increase the amount of public housing while at the same time producing a whole range of private housing on the public housing land and... Uh, Excuse me. The uh, private developers will make a killing. While actually, if you look more closely, the public housing uh, element is not very uh, um, attractive. And in actual fact, there's this holus bolus handing over of public housing to community housing or uh, social housing, which uh, lots of people might think is an answer, but uh, it was quite interesting when I went down to Atherton Gardens in Fitzroy, where some of them are marked for this. Uh, when I went down there, they, there was a whole gathering in mid-March of uh, a whole range of uh, residents led by their um, uh, their residents' association leader, uh, to go up to the public housing office, which is just up on the corner, to to air their grievances over particularly the closure of the community centre and the shutdown of the fresh food um, handouts that they have on a regular basis. They've got a whole uh, system going there where uh, f- a food store, which is uh, given over to uh, f- fresh food delivery to uh, the residents. Uh, it's a food bank. Uh, this has been closed down. Now, the residents wanted to go up to the public housing people to find out why this is so, but uh, it turned out to be quite an interesting affair uh, and gives a, a, a very a, a insight into the lack of communication that go, goes on between uh, public housing residents and uh, the uh, the government, effectively, and its arms. So we go, I made a report on this. Uh, first off, I have a chat with some people, and one of them is actually a person who lives in community housing, which is in a building just a little bit further down. It was public housing, but it's been put over to community housing, and it's a fascinating discussion about the pros and cons that uh, generally are swept under the carpet. And they're like, oh, no. Yeah, so you, you live in these buildings? Um, I live in 150. Yeah. So that's uh, where the Connie Band Centre is. Yes. Um, I think it was considered part of the public housing, but I'm not sure. But now it's community housing, isn't it? It's, social it is housing. Com- yeah, community housing, but we're under, I am under the, uh, the social housing category. Yeah. So I don't know what's the difference. <laughs> oh, no, no. Well, there are differences. There are differences. One of the differences is that if you were earning under a certain amount of money, yeah. they would say to you, you're not earning enough, yeah. so you can go away, yeah. which I think is pretty hilarious. And <laughs> Where would you go? <laughs> Where would you go? <laughs> Back to the street? Not yeah. going to happen, is it? You know, with the children. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So what you're really saying is that you've come down to this meeting because you thought there might be some way of voicing some of your concerns. Something like that, yeah, to find out what's going on as well, yeah, and where you stand, you know, what can you say about it, you know, because pretty much you don't really have much say, you know, you just stay there because for the sake of it that you don't want to, you know, be on the road again. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So you're hoping for some answers? Yeah, Mm. pretty much, yeah, to find out whether, you know, pretty much things like 
um, what category are you in? You know, what are you your eligibility or whether are you, you know, allowed to transfer? You know, what's happened? Because you, you now need to... a bigger apartment, exactly. don't you? Yeah, yeah. I need a bigger apartment, bigger space, you know, and yeah. And the, as a sec exactly, the childrens are growing, you yeah. know, and then of course with the community or the management with the building, who are you going to talk to? You yeah. know, because they always they always put back to the same person that you have trouble with. <laughs> like, they're going in a circle. I want to talk to someone who's higher. Oh no, you're going to talk to the management. I'm like, yeah, all right, and then they put the same person that you have trouble with. I'm like. Who I'm going to talk to, so yeah, it's just yeah, it's going on. You know, I just recently I had to renew my uh, my uh, circumstances change. I lost my job, um, and you know, and they said, oh yep, we will consider it. Um, give us all your forms. I uh, they asked me my Centrelink statement. They asked me my bank statement. They asked me the letter from my work that are the you know the last work that I did. That was end of January, and I haven't heard anything from them as yet. So when I rang them, they said, "Oh yeah, it's in a process." And so I'm they could actually give you the answer that you need to move out. I mean, I'm not saying they no, will. No, don't no. get me wrong. No, I'm no, saying no. I know I don't need to move out, oh, but it will be good to someone will get back to you and let you know what's going to happen. You know, within a you know a few weeks, not end of January. Now it's like end of March almost. And I haven't heard anything. And when I rang them yesterday, when I rang the office, they said, "Oh, the person who's doing your case, he left the job." So what am I going to do now? Oh, that's shocking. <laughs> and, and, and you've got you've got problems too. That's why you've come to this. No, no, but you 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 live here in this these buildings. So I live in the public housing building. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yes. And so you came down to this meeting because you wanted to be uh, in a a group of people who voiced their concerns yes. and were able to have some say. Yes, that's right. Yeah. And to maybe find out a few more facts about what's going on with the selling off of the public housing. And um, from what I understand is a lot of people, when they were went over to the social housing, they weren't informed of the difference between their rights of public housing and the social housing and community housing as well. And... I, I think it's a really big concern that if most of the public housing is going to be sold off and, you know, all these promises are being made, if, there's, if virtually there's going to be no public housing left and all these people won't... It, what's going to happen? Is everyone going to be living on the streets? It's all right to promise something else, but unless there's actually something in place, a plan in place... This is real people's lives, you say? Yeah. And once the public housing's gone, that's it. I'll never see it again. Yeah. Something to fight for. Yeah. Yeah. Environment. And even then they're trying to build a community, but they're not, they cannot keep up with the security and especially the drugs. It's just everything. It ruins everything. You know, in buildings, like, people have children. You know. No, but it's interesting you should say that because, you know, one of the things that they say about public housing is that, you know, it, it causes, you know, social disruption. But actually, you don't live in social housing. You live in community housing. And what you're saying is that the management of the community housing block that you live in aren't dealing with the problems that are in the lived environment. No. They're not, not at all. Every time you talk to the management, you've been, you've been uh, um, screaming, 
yelled at, you just, everyone, literally, I'll tell you what, now the management is on a holiday, the, the building is peace and quiet. Someone in the office, oh yeah, you will see it, what's happening? Because they just want to, you know, tell the management they're not happy and the management's not listening, no. They're like, oh yeah, we'll put in a written complaint. Last uh, a year or two ago, I tried to. Um, I was renewing my lease. Um, the building manager asked me for, um, um, you know, uh, some statements, and I did. And they said, "Oh, you got to go and um, do the police, the, like a statutory declaration." And I'm like, oh, "I'm like, these are mine." And, and I'm the bank. Exactly. And I'm like, I'm not even cheating or anything. So she said, well, there's another one here. You're the witness. I can kick you out if you don't do that. I'm do what I, I can do what I want to do. I'm the management here. And I literally cry running out of there. <laughs> and I never go back to the office after that. Never. They were told that you're virtually going into private. They're run by private people. And you don't have the same rights as you do with public housing. And they know my story. They know me as a single mother. They know me that I, my, I have two young children. I don't have time running around. And they know me, everything, like everything out there on the table. And they told me that. And the thing is, once you've gone over to community housing, if you want to go back to public housing, you're back right at the bottom of the list again. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's what's happening now. Hi, I'm Aaron Pedersen, and you're listening to 3CR. And you're on Solidarity Breakfast. That was down at Atherton Gardens. And uh, the uh, the delegation, the large amount of people uh, that went up from Atherton Gardens, up to residents went up to the corner to the uh, public housing office, and they were uh, stymied, I'd have to say. Uh, there was a security guards, and it was an interesting uh, process because the uh, uh, the re- resident's uh, representative was so angry when the two Wilson security guards uh, stopped them from going into the office uh, because apparently they were going to get rid of the uh, guards, but there was a resident... Uh, a petition that was uh, gathered to in support for the security guards and uh, they garnered something like 100 or more si- signatures to support these uh, security guards and the uh, the uh, representative was saying you work for us we did we we did you a favor and now you're going to tell us we can't go inside it was quite a fascinating affair we then did get into the public uh, uh housing office but uh, all the public housing office officers all hid and went away because uh, and uh, I'll give you the rest of what happened that day here for like a few reasons because they treat us like shit they don't treat us like residents first of all they did they don't allow us to use the hall the community hall because like we have kids where are we going to do our kid birthday party at we use the hall now they stop everything second to that they tore my car away from the parking because registration is finished they don't know my situation i wouldn't have money for registration i spoke to them next minute they tore my car away i don't have a car now and they took it to the records where am i going to get the money to pay it every time i ask for them like there's something wrong in my house they never come and fix it. I have three kids and I, I'm in two-bedroom house. They never give me a big house. 
my house there's a hole somewhere i keep reporting it cooktop i don't cook at home i have to use the gas from the shop they never come and fix what i want so i'm sick and tired of the housing people they can't treat us like shit they can't give us a house and don't want like to help us and coming to rebate form they come to your house every morning to knock the door until you fill in the rebate form and coming to rent they're always in your door they're always calling you, but what we want, they don't want to do it. And what they want, we have to do it for them. What's the reason of living in the community house? It doesn't make sense. I don't know. I don't know why. We need to know the reason. They don't tell us the reason why, like, they don't let us use the hall. Because last time when I spoke to one of the security, apparently, like, we're allowed to use it until at 10 o'clock, and then some people went until 11 or 12. Oh, and then... Oh. She was talking about the shoes. If you put your shoes out the door, they take a picture of your shoes, and then they come and talk about it. There's no place inside the house where to put the shoes. So outside your door is your right to put your shoes there, but they're not allowed to do that. Why we will not do anything 
Why not? Yeah. We will do properly. We understand man. They might arrangements to facilitate that, but that's that's not sound. Yeah, of course. You just you can just have a crack. Have some dialogue with you about those certain circumstances. The director's here. Yeah. But this now has obviously caused them an issue. They feel unsafe in their workplace, and it's an issue for them. So that's why we're here now. Well, what we're suggesting is two people go in there from here from my channel and one of his colleagues. And that's all. Your thoughts, but yeah, I'll also. Yeah. I will let us know. Yeah. Yeah. So what who, who, who are you saying that should be? I am the president of Adathan Garden Resida. I represent. Who else do you want to go in with you? Somebody you want to take in the mayor with you? Yeah, the yeah, mayor and the councillor. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Who's that? Daniel. Up the back here. Okay. With with Daniel here with the glasses. Okay. Yeah. Alright. Okay. Mayor of this area, the city of Yarra. Yeah, the mayor of the city of Yarra. So, what's your feelings on all this? I think it's just a sign that there is a little bit of frustration amongst the residents and the office of housing, and I think again, being you know in this area and understanding some of the issues that people have gone through. There probably is an opportunity here just to have a chat with the manager. You've got the representatives here from the community who are just looking for a bit of face-to-face -face time. Um, and I think that's what the community is representing here, that they have a little bit of frustration. But I think we can get to a solution if we take some time and have a bit of a chat and I'm sure we can resolve things quite amicably. Thanks. No problems. Uh, I I asking them uh, yesterday we will organize the protest for me to talk to the manager. The, the manager well known. Hi, let me. This is the mayor of Yarra. Hi, how you I'm Daniel. Nice to meet you. How's it? Can perhaps if I give you my number, can you tell the manager to give me a call now? Just to call now, like over the phone, like have a quick chat about it. I'm sure she's got you know, things to do and stuff as well. But yeah, I know that's fine. Um, and they, they, they do want to speak to you. Oh, look, there's obviously a high. Hundred percent, no problem. Yeah, what I'd probably suggest if she's got two minutes. Just give me a call. I'll give you my number. Just give me a call. No, no, just like I said, just give me my number. Um, you know, give her a call. Yeah, we're trying to come with her a hard line attitude that's going to aggravate the situation. Yeah, so, I get, oh, no, so my number is 0427 493 493, yep, 509. And, and I'm, my name's Daniel, and I'm the mayor of the city of Yarra, which is the same. Um, and if she could just give me Two minutes over the phone now. I'm sure we can solve this very So the, there's going to be a meeting Tuesday at 3.30, which is the designated time by the um, manager. Yeah. So yeah. they're meeting with Hytran, the president of the residential ten, the, what is it, the residential tenancies association here. Um, Steve Jolly and the mayor of Yarra, Daniel Nguyen. And is there a process for relaying to the... Um, Residents, what's come out of that meeting? Hi, Tran, who's the president. I'm sure he'd have his own way of letting them know. Yeah. Yeah. You're on Solidarity Breakfast, so you get the gist of this, that even the mayor of Yarra, the residents of public housing, and the mayor were unable to get a meeting with the public housing office uh, on that day. The, the officers are frightened of the people that they're supposed to service 
how is it possible for a reasonable outcome to happen for residents when the powers that be refuse to actually speak to them? Are you doing the right thing? Marxism 18 is Australia's biggest radical left-wing conference, happening March 29th to April 1st in Melbourne. The conference will feature founding editor of Jacobin magazine, Bhaskar Sunkara, Australian writer Helen Razor, Palestinian activist Huwaida Araf, and films celebrating 50 years since the struggles of 1968. Join radicals and activists for political discussion in over 100 sessions across four days. Tickets start at $25 and are available at marxismconference.org. Red Flag Press is a 3CR supporter. Last weekend, there was an important uh, by-election in uh, Batman. It was a federal seat. Uh, David Feeney had to bow out because of the uh, uh, controversy over dual citizenship and uh, there was a hotly contested uh, battle between the Labor candidate, Jed Carney, who was the previous uh, president of the ACTU, the Australian Council of Trade Unions, and a Green candidate. Now, uh, it was, uh, as I said, very strongly fought uh, uh, race against uh, Labor uh, by the Greens, but there was also a field of f- five far-right candidates, uh, which should be setting off alarm bells uh, across the mainstream political scene in Australia. And uh, it certainly did for the Collective Against Racism and Fascism. I got to speak to Debbie Brennan, who was down there at uh, outside Northcote Town Hall and uh, followed up by uh, Rose um one of the other people who was there, she she was there as well. Uh, there was a collective, uh, part of the collective were there making people aware that uh, there were candidates there that they might want to be a bit more suspicious about. The Liberals didn't field a candidate, but perhaps they didn't need to. Anyway, this is uh, my report. So, uh, Debbie, uh, your group uh, has pointed out something very significant about the Batman election, which most people seem to have overlooked. The amount of uh, very right-wing people who have uh, put up candidates. Yes, uh, this is very um, significant and concerning. It's interesting that the mainstream media... um, has nothing to say about this and is not taking this seriously, but we have to take it seriously. The fact that there are five far-right candidates uh, running in Batman, um, they probably don't expect to win, but that's not actually the point. Um, I think that we have to see this in the context of um, the times today. It's not so long ago that we had that um, that hideous, vicious, um, homophobic no campaign against marriage equality. Um, I think that we have to keep in mind that um, in the lead this whole year's lead up to the Victorian state election, there's going to be this 
continuous um, escalating law and order campaign that is targeting certain communities, particularly the African community, and scapegoating them in a very dangerous way. So um, these five candidates, um, four parties and an individual, um, what they stand for is a very broad, um, disturbing far-right agenda. Not only are they Islamophobic and generally racist and white supremacist, they are also misogynist and they are homophobic and transphobic and they are anti-union. It's the broad sweep of an agenda that they stand for. So the electoral um, opportunity for anybody is a platform. So it's a platform. Uh, it legitimizes. It, it legitimizes. It's a platform there for their ideas. And of course, it allows them that entree even more so into mainstream thinking. Can, can, can you th name the names of the parties? Because yes. what I noticed is that they're, uh, they're very nice and neat and, you know, bourgeois. Very, very um, gentle sounding. Um, there's the... Um, Conservative Australia, which is uh, Corey Bernardi's, um, the far-right Corey Bernardi's party. There's the Australian Liberty Alliance, which is um, just uh, hideously far-right. Um, there's Rise Up Australia, which many listeners are probably familiar with. But then there's also what's called the Australian People's Party, and then there is this uh, independent called Theresa. Van Leishow. Gentle. Uh, gentle, Yvonne Gentle is from the Australian Liberty Alliance. So those are the five that are running. And anybody looking at their platforms will see how, um, how toxic um, what they stand for actually is. They're, they're um, highly nationalistic. They're white supremacists, whether they come out openly like this independent does, or whether they um, uh, convey that in code, in their Islamophobia, in their anti-immigration, and so on. Isn't it disturbing? I mean, it's got the, it really does have the, uh, uh, the scent of uh, 1930s Germany, really, doesn't it? I'm glad you mentioned that, because it, it, it does, and we have to know this. We have to know the consequences if we allow this, you know, to keep going on unanswered. Um, for the immediate early consequences of this in these times, we only have to look at the United States. We only have to look at what's been happening in Poland and Germany, for example. But um, like you say, the ultimate consequence is very chilling because in Germany 80 years ago, um, I mean, basically, the Nazis came in um, through those legitimate parliamentary electoral means, and we know what happened from there. So we do have to be alert, and we do have to be countering this and defeating it. Now, let's go to the particular. This is a local election, and having five uh, people separate from the two main contenders as I read it, and the mainstream media has been reading it this way as well, uh, this splits the vote. I mean, if you're going to look at it in a strategic manner, this is uh, almost as if 
it's not cheap to run a campaign. So it, it's almost as if there's a deliberate, or am I being naive? It sounds like a deliberate strategy in the same way as it was to get, get people into the Senate. Uh, it could very well be that kind of a strategy. Um, I, I think probably, I guess, the, 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 the biggest significance of their running um, in such a concentrated form of five candidates, uh, to me, is, uh, again, using the electoral process of the, you know, basically the capitalist parliamentary system to do whatever they can, whether it's, it's the splitting that you were talking about or whether it is that galvanizing or a combination and of legitimizing and legitimizing absolutely normal trying to normalize and legitimize their their very dangerous poisonous ideas have you got any idea who their backers are oh i think that we can be very confident that their backers are um those faceless people uh in, w with the capital. I mean, we learn from history about that. So I think if we know our history, we um, can be very certain that um, they are being backed by, you know, big capital, such uh, just as in the United States, we know that the Koch brothers, for example, have been very much behind the far right, you know, movement over there. Um, so we can expect the same thing is here and we have to remember too that um, the far right and the fascist groups here who are being emboldened by all of this that we're talking about um, they have international connections and so does big capital have international connections so I think we do have to actually see that in that in that bigger picture and see how ominous it is and and why what, what that's pointing to when we know how ominous it is, we need ourselves, all of us who are concerned about this, to be uniting. We, need a, we, we clearly need a strong, united front of everybody who is targeted by the far right and by the fascist groups who are emboldened by this. We're just talking to Rose Ward. So we just saw some media from the right wing like harassing you? Yeah, Neil Erickson and uh, camera person uh, just came up to have a go at us really and we're just here to say to the people of Batman, don't vote for one of the far right candidates, there's five in this election so that's what we're here to do, just to make sure that people know who the candidates are and what they stand for. He clearly supports those people, so he's there to say to stir up trouble and to trying to make something out of it. Now this has been going on for quite a while, hasn't it? This is sort of intimidation, personal harassment. Oh yeah, they send me messages on Facebook, they send me emails, they've said they know where I live, like, yeah. Mm. Does that worry you? Yeah, of course it does, but I just think that um, the strategy of like making yourself a small target or getting out of the way or whatever and not standing up to these people doesn't really work. And that's, you know, sort of historically proven with fights against fascists and in different countries. Like, if people just think they'll go away or that people will ignore their ideas because they are idiots or they come across like they're idiots, like, they grow and it doesn't work. So we need to do something about it. And 
you know, I can't just say that to people. I have to do it myself. So here I am. Thanks very much. Hi, I'm Stuart. Hi, I'm Marita. We are the Orb Weavers, and you're listening to 3CR 855 AM on digital radio. And streaming at 3cr.org.au. You're on Solidarity Breakfast with Annie, and we've got Roger Wilson on the line from Virgo to for pensioners. Hello, Roger. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. That was a rather disturbing bit I heard on your last program about people ringing up and we know where you live. Oh, I know. Yeah, no, it is really disturbing. Uh, Things like uh, uh, legitimizing uh, uh, far-right ideologies. It's like history repeating itself. Yeah. We've we've, uh, got you on the line to talk about uh, what's going on for uh, Fairgo for pensioners is yes, involved yes. in the uh, public housing dispute that's going on at the moment. Yes, we're fair go for pensioners as part of a uh, loose coalition, when I say loose coalition, brought into being to deal with this problem of public housing. The government has been sold a scheme, uh, and I say sold in inverted commas, in that they've been conned that uh, they'll be able to provide more public housing by building several thousand new units. The uh, only problem with that is that many of the public housing tenants have, by modern standards, large families, that is to say they usually have more than two kids, sometimes three or four, particularly with uh, some of the African communities, more recent uh, immigrants and refugees into Australia, and the preponderance of the new dwellings that would be built are going to be single-bedroom or two-bedroom apartments. Um, How are you going to accommodate a family of six or seven in such an apartment so that we believe in the first instance that there will be uh, less places for the people to go to that are being currently moved out of their present uh, uh, estates. The thing about the estates, of course, is if you live in not just estates, anywhere in the community, uh, you develop friendships, you develop contacts and networks, uh, some of the families that are being moved have lived in their present public accommodation for something like 50 years. And imagine the psychological uh, problems for such age group families if they don't get to come back to their old estate, their old group of friends and so on. That's one aspect. The other serious aspect about this is that because the government is giving over to private developers large tracts of publicly owned land, hence another attack on public resources, uh, that land, once it's sold to the 
developers uh, will never get it back. So that uh, we believe that is friends of pub- uh, hands off public housing and fair go for pensioners as a member of that group. We believe, in fact, that what's happening is that the government has washed its hands, so to speak, of public housing and this sort of thing we've uh, ascertained is going on in all states, perhaps with the exception of Canberra. Uh, 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 Roger, Roger, yes. you in uh, in uh, previous uh, talks about this, I've heard you say that before the election, uh, last election in Victoria, that fair go for the pensioners were quite able to get access to some of the ministers. And in, indeed, indeed, we were. In fact, prior to the election, when uh, the uh, Labor Party, which became the government under uh, Daniel Andrews, uh, they could, uh, well, they ascertained there was a fair chance of defeating the Napthine government. That happened. And all of the shadow ministers, including the leader of the party, Daniel, we met him probably two, maybe three times with shadow ministers and we met individual shadow ministers. They were happy to see us and indeed many of the people associated with Fair Go for Pensioners, their groups provided some of the campaign workers which uh, uh, assisted uh, uh, the Andrews government to come to office, uh, particularly up and down the Frankston line where there are a lot of swinging seats. Since they've been elected, we've tried unsuccessfully for two years now, more than two years, to see the Premier, to see the various ministers. Uh, we've tried several times to uh, see the Minister for Housing and uh, they just refused to see us. So uh, come the election, when the election's announced, we'll be telling all those who uh, follow Fair Go for pensioners, uh, support our activities, we'll be telling them exactly where all of the parties stand on a variety of issues, including public housing. Now, it's interesting to me that uh, what seems to have come out of that early uh, experience of yeah. uh, is that it's been established that there's a real problem with homelessness. It, oh, yeah, indeed. It, indeed. It, it, there's been a, it's quite clear that there's an understanding that uh, uh, housing for people on low incomes is a really important issue. Uh, That's right. And actually for people who are trying to establish themselves in the uh, housing market in a private sense are also being squashed by incredibly inflated prices and uh, Uh, and, pushed aside by uh, investment. Indeed, uh, indeed, indeed, yes. Yeah, and and I've got the impression that... uh, the answer to this is supposedly going to be the government's answer to this apparently is going to be this uh, public housing renewal except of course like all of these George Orwellian things it's a misnomer that's a a good good, good way to approach it George Orwellian 
Yeah, uh, it's uh, what <clears throat> what I believe will result is that there will be less place. The people that are being presently moved off their estates and told that they'll be able to return, although there's no guarantee of that. The fact of the matter is that there will be less bedrooms available in the accommodation. This will mean that the waiting list for public housing will increase further, and I forget what the actual figure is, but there's many, many thousands of people on the waiting list, and it's not unusual for a person to wait for anything up to 10 years to get a place in public housing. Roger, so, Roger, Roger were you aware that uh, also that um, since 2013, as far as I can work out, there are empty places in uh, the various places that they want to sell off uh, and that uh, they're not filling those spaces with the homeless. In actual fact, they've been preparing these places since 2013 for this sell-off. Oh, I think that's uh, uh, fairly obvious. I mean, I don't have facts at my fingertips about that, but it's fairly obvious that this is not some, you know, new plan thought up just in the course of uh, 2017 to renew public housing and and, uh, try to create the impression that there'll be more places for people. I think think governments generally, and in particular the federal government, they're seeking to move away from governments providing for the most vulnerable people in our community and what will happen, there'll be less accommodation available, the waiting lists will get longer and we'll see more and more people sleeping on the streets or sleeping rough. Now this leads us to the fair go to pensioners uh, call for an anti-poverty uh, yeah, indeed it does. Indeed it does, uh, because it's fairly obvious uh, from not just the statistics, but the public statements of organisations like VCOS, ACOS, the Brotherhood of St Lawrence, all of the all of the groups that are involved in the ongoing. Uh, struggle for social justice and some fairness in the community, uh, all of them are uh, constantly calling on the government to to, uh, do something about poverty. In the case of Fair Go for Pensioners, one of our claims on the government, we've written to the Premier several times about it, we don't get much of a response. Uh, is that poverty is increasing exponentially quite rapidly in a very rich country like Australia. And indeed, <coughs> according to uh, some of the international commentators and uh, scholars, uh, poverty is increasing almost at the same sort of pace that it did at the worst period of the Industrial Revolution, and that's a worldwide trend. If you look at what effect it has on 
those who have large bags of money and resources. A recent statistic I read from Oxfam is that the richest 1% in the world own more than half the world's wealth. In Australia, the top 10% own more than the rest of the Australian population put together. Now, fair go for pensioners, and I personally think that is absolutely uh, uh, irresponsible for governments to continue to pretend that the market can fix everything. The market is demonstrating that it can't fix everything, that it's fraught. And my belief is that now, uh, capitalism say, as a well, system is very broken. But it's not just that, it's rigged. <laughs> oh, no, no. It's, it, 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 I think it's... I think in some senses the country... Not uh, the country, the, the world economic system is in many respects in a worse situation uh, than uh, even during the Great Depression of the 1930s, in that there are so many new problems which they're not able to... uh, or they uh, seem to be unable to uh, grapple with. Can you tell people if uh, they want to be part of Fair Go for Pensioners, do you want to give your... uh um, how they can yeah, well, them. they can they can uh, ring me. My phone number is nine three seven six six four two nine, or uh, they can contact me on my email address, Roger Wilson eighteen twelve, as in numerals at hotmail dot com, and uh, I'll put them in touch with the uh, appropriate person in Fairgo for pensioners to uh, assist with whatever their queries are, whether they want to join, become involved or whatever. Thanks for talking to us today, Roger. Okay, my pleasure. Thanks. There'll be no work next year Qualifications, what's the golden rule? And now just pieces of paper Just because you're better than me Doesn't mean I'm lazy Just because you're going forwards Doesn't mean I'm going backwards Hi, I'm Aaron Pedersen, and you're listening to 3CR. A weak solidarity brekkie team listener, when notice at the AZN Talk Fest at the weekend, the first speaker we inflicted on the sundry big supremos was Constable Peter Duffer, our Honourable Minister for Concentration Camps, Razor Wire and Sink the Boats, 
lecturing them about regional security. Not that I feel sorry for them. Most of them make their own people feel very insecure, but imagine what they must have thought of the quality of parliamentary democracy in True Blue Aussie, of its collective IQ, of the civilised nation like ours bit, after Pete said a civilised nation like ours, must assist white South apartheid farmers facing persecution, poor dears. Although it, Pete as first speaker, could be interpreted as a brilliant manoeuvre, because clearly after suffering Constable Duffer droning on, it could only be all uphill from there. And it's uphill for the unemployed in the US of the UN of the US of the world, who are flocking to Washington knowing new job vacancies are cropping up by the day in the White House and the FBI and the good old CIA. With big supremo Donald Trump or the poor's latest signed edict proudly held up for the cameras, banning the name of the occupant, brackets temporary, being displayed on office doors. It'll save a fortune in repainting. Good, very good. Bit of bad luck for the FBI Deputy Supremo knocked off by Donald just one day before he'd become eligible for his pension, but Donald certainly wouldn't have known that. There's not a nasty bone in his body. He had become aware of tremendous leaking, lying and corruption, bad, bad, at the FBI, and we can but imagine poor Donald's ethics being abraded by leaking and corruption and especially lying. But then, how cruel. A former CIA supremo, John Brennan, said poor Donald would end up a disgraced demagogue in the famous dustbin of history because of his venality, moral turpitude and political corruption. Where'd that come from? Isn't envy so dangerous? Well, alleged, we say, because who'd believe such unprincipled behaviour of a US of Big Supremo, commander-in-chief of the freedom of capital world? Donald immediately displayed his anger at this slander. You're fired, he spurted his favourite phrase. Uh, Mr Supremo, uh, he, he already is. Constable Peter Duffer would be dead to the crazy left reporting by the ABC that the family of the uh, sorry copper charged in the US of with the murder of a true blue Aussie expatriate claim the charges are racist. Oh, how Constable, Constable Duffer must ponder how anyone could be racist, but without wanting to make him dead to the crazy left ratings of this station, we must agree. He wouldn't have been charged if the victim was not white. Not that he shouldn't be charged, but as the U.S. of forces of law and order repeat, black lives don't matter. The family says the killer was only doing his job. So the lesson is, if we happen to be in the U.S. of and hear an assault or a crime taking place, for goodness sake, don't report it. Here, a number of health agencies combined to undertake a study which after much research concluded that sausages are loaded with salt. <laughs> wonder what the research cost, because all they had to do was take a bite and not swallow. And they didn't even mention the fat. Reminds me, out the back of a local shopping centre the other Saturday, a cancer research body was raising funds through a sausage sizzle, and I thought, clearly they're trying to create their own research guinea pigs. But on such matters, we all know the private sector is so much more efficient than the public sector, and we do have to admire that efficiency. Those who listen to City Limits Wednesdays will know we have been covering the Tullamarine toxic waste dump issue for years. The company dragging out discussions for years 
to avoid wasting money cleaning up its mess, preventing the dump leaching into waterways and ultimately the bay, gases creating an elevated incidence of cancers in the surrounds. Well, talk about the efficiency we must admire. The privatised airport corporation has plans for expanding commercial activities and isn't this brilliant? Wants to establish a medical research institute including researching cancer. How efficient. One corporation creates the subjects and the other takes advantage, having the subject matter right on its doorstep. Brilliantly efficient and showing how the great corporates can work together to make the world a better place. Well, apart from the immediate neighbours and the waterways and the life or what may be left of it in the waterways. In fairness, the great toxic waste corporate did praise the efficiency of the public sector. We must congratulate the EPA for its efficiency in ensuring we don't have to waste money cleaning up the mess. After all, these people don't have to live there. And great transnational corporate Newcrest Mining has decided not to build a tailing dam on land at its new Wafu Golpu copper and gold mine in Papua New Guinea. It will be a cheaper option over the life of the mine, its supremo Sandeep Biswas, real name said, to pipe the wastes into the ocean, as it already does at its PNG Lahir mine. Perhaps we should give him a week that was name, Insane Deep. No, no, he assured us the dumping would be a whole kilometre offshore and in a very deep oceanic basin. Well, they wouldn't dream of dumping their wastes in the ocean if they thought for one second it might cause the odd problem. And it is quite safe, unless you happen to be a fish, a shark, a whale, a dolphin, a mollusk, a turtle, a cephalopod, that sort of thing. Well, that sort of life form, quite possibly temporary life form. And franking his environmental credentials, Insane Deep explained, an on-land tailings dam would disturb land valuable for biodiversity, heritage and economic reasons. Oh, concern for biodiversity and heritage is something for which we've long admired the great mining resource corporates, although economic reasons rarely enter their mind. In the week that was Vroom Vroom Department, and as Bernie Vroom Vroom must giggle uncontrollably at how like putty-in governments can be, this true blue bloke who becomes a local hero for one week a year gave us his considered opinion that the footy grand final should be held at night under lights. Obviously, visiting Melbourne once a year to tear up a public park in return for an obscene income qualifies Daniel, that's his name, as an expert commentator on the footy, because that earned a whole page in the Lord Rupert of Wapping Sin, the major propaganda vehicle for the weekly bread and circuses. But a positive. It's not all bad. I had this really, really good thought. Let's recommend they hold the grand pricks at night, but without the lights. (laughs) That should reduce the non-spectacle to somewhere between three and ten seconds and provide employment for those who have to clean up the mess. And as the whopping sin pointed out, as if we needed it pointed out, Dan the driver is a good Dan, as opposed to the pejorative Dan, who is an evil Dan, and whose evil will be splashed sensationally across the Lord Rupert network right up to Election Day in November. Lord Rupert and his editorial lackeys hoping we get the election right this time. 
at a conference last week of that epitome of all that is good in a capitalist world, the real estate industry, a, quote, panel of industry heavyweights, according to the business news reports, including lend losers and multiplex our money, predicted automation and robots would have a major impact on jobs. But robots in the real estate industry? How would we tell the difference? And as the so-called gig economy companies make submissions to a Senate inquiry into the future of work that the law be tightened to ensure they can continue to exploit workers, uh, sorry, reach fair to all contracts with their contractors, one of them, Foodora, Foodadora Profit, is suing an ex-contractor after an encrypted messaging service he started, started to chat with co-workers became a venue for workers, sorry again, contractors, to vent their spleen after the company slashed their wages and conditions. Sorry, the terms of their contracts. Foodadora Profit claims the bloke's private service is their property under the terms of the contract and are seeking an order that he handed over to them after firing him for refusing to hand it over. Well, the report I read said fired, but seeing he's not an employee, we can assume they cancelled the contract. Bit of danger for Foodadora Profit, though, because the case will consider whether the contractors, mostly young people, are in fact, wait for it, surely not, workers, employees. Hopefully the court will make a sensible decision that his, his property is their property and all those young people complaining are contractors. Like that sensible decision by a, by a commissioner this week that grains giant by terror to workers can terminate its EBA and reduce workers' pay by 24% and slash redundancy entitlements while increasing work hours at Port Lincoln. The EBA, Commissioner Peter Hampton ruled, is impacting the company's productivity and competitive position and these changes are important given the trading environment. He did say the new conditions were not ideal for the workers, which is putting it mildly, but productivity and competitiveness must come first, he said. Bet the workers will feel like improving productivity on 24% less pay. Finally, Facebook trillionaire Mark Hughes Zuckerberg says he's truly, truly sorry they got sprung ringing elections around the world. Betty is. Good morning. Join the Palm Sunday Walk for Justice and add your voice to the call for change to refugee policy. Demand Australia's political leaders to abandon the current harsh and unjust policies and provide permanent protection for refugees. Stand with people from all over Melbourne. Demand the evacuation of Manus and Nauru and end the cruelty. Meet at the State Library of Victoria on the 25th of March at 1.30pm. Palm Sunday Walk for Justice is a 3CR supporter. Marxism 18 is Australia's biggest radical left-wing conference, happening March 29th to April 1st in Melbourne. The conference will feature founding editor of Jacobin magazine, Bhaskar Sunkara, Australian writer Helen Razor, Palestinian activist Huwaida Araf, and films celebrating 50 years since the struggles of 1968. Join radicals and activists for political discussion in over 100 sessions across four days. 
Tickets start at $25 and are available at marxismconference.org. Red Flag Press is a 3CR supporter. Dear listeners, the annual Good Friday charity radiothon of the Australian Medical Aid Foundation will kick off from 9am to 6.30pm on Friday the 30th March. 3CR is dedicating its media space to support this noble cause. Therefore, 3CR's regular program will not be on air during this time. The funds raised from this 10-hour radiothon will be utilized to supply medical aid, equipment, training, patient-centered care programs and resources to those affected by 30 years of war in the north and east of Sri Lanka. You too can become a generous partner by calling us on 03-9419-8377 during the radiothon on 30th Friday to donate towards this wonderful initiative. Hi, I'm Aaron Pedersen, and you're listening to 3CR. That was the wonderful Blue King Brown moment of truth. You're on 3CR on Solidarity Breakfast. And in the studio, we have Sue Bolton. She is the a councillor for Morland Council. But you're a whole lot of other things, aren't you? <laughs> Been involved in a few campaigns in my time. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, uh, so there's... Um, talk about uh, our, uh, a group of uh, a coalition effectively, of the left that's uh, uh, planning to uh, put itself forward for the uh, Victorian election that's coming up in November. Can you talk to that a bit? Yes, I can. So the group is Victorian Socialists. Uh, We had our inaugural general meeting on Thursday night, so we've now sort of got a constitution and, and, um, you know, fully formed organisation. And so this is a coming together of um, Socialist Alliance with Socialist Alternative, uh, long-time Socialist Councillor on the City of Yarra, Stephen Jolly, 
and um, and some other individuals from unions and so forth. Um, so we've launched the Victorian Socialist. We'll be launching it at a formal election launch on the 12th of May. And I think this is a massive, a massive step forward for the left, while at the moment it's limited to just um, standing in one seat in the state election. I think that will be a really fascinating campaign. There's been a great response already to the left coming together for this project. Yeah, because a lot of people will be uh, quite interested because, uh, you know, obviously people are thinkers from the from the left. They've all got different uh, views about certain things that have in the past meant that people have not been able to work together. And it's one of those things that... Uh, uh, people often talk about in the left that uh, they're their worst, uh, we're, we're our own worst enemy, that uh, it, it's the factions that cause uh, people not to be effective. What What's changed? What's, what's different here? Well, I think this is about a single project. And in reality, it began uh, when... Stephen Jolly was encouraged by some of his supporters in the Yarra Council area to stand not just in the seat of Richmond but in the upper house seat of Northern Metropolitan, which of course is a massive area. It covers 12 different uh, lower house seats um, and, you know, some people in that seat, in that area, and especially in the outer suburbs, won't have ever heard about socialists or won't have ever heard about any of the individuals standing on the ticket. Um, so, you know, it would be a massive job. And so he did seek the support of Socialist Alternative and ourselves in Socialist Alliance and uh, some of the unions. And I think that's really what started it. So it was really around a specific project. And my understanding is Socialist Alternative has agreed to be part of it because they think, Steve Jolly has a chance of getting elected and um, from the point of view of Socialist Alliance we you know think it would be great to get a socialist in parliament uh, because they would be acting in a very different way to any of the mainstream politicians that we have uh, in a much more activist kind of way and with a politics that really takes up working class issues, takes up progressive issues, including issues like climate change, but from a working class point of view. And so I think the fact that it's this concrete kind of project, uh, I think allowed it allowed the project to go ahead. And from the point of view of Socialist Alliance, we've always been interested in furthering left unity. Uh, so I think this could also go further um, than just the election campaign um, if the campaign is a roaring success. And I expect the campaign to be a roaring success. Well, Sue, so you, you know, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of great experience in that crew that are, are involved. And you've had a long history of uh, sound activist work uh, around very important issues. The fact that you uh, got onto Moreland Council and have been an effective councillor, there's a, a variety of reasons for why I could say that, uh, outcomes. You've obviously learnt a whole range of very practical skills to, ha uh, to have social expression within this system that we have. 
Can you talk to that? Yeah, definitely I can. So Hard yeah, work. Yeah, that's right. So when I got on to Moreland Council, I think there were a range of reasons why I was elected. I think, you know, I'd been involved in a lot of different campaigns from union picket lines to the cl- organising the climate emergency rallies to refugee work, um, supporting the Muslim communities and also supporting the Kurdish community. But also, in addition to that, we the slogan we ran under in that election was community need not develop agreed. And I think that did speak to some of the issues that are affecting people in the suburbs. And I know there were definitely people who voted for us on the basis of that approach. That you actually recognised that it was a problem. Yeah, in, in local community areas. So those were people who didn't know who I was, who Social Science was. And then I was uh, got engaged in some of those struggles. And most of those people are not NIMBY people. They're people who are concerned. Yes, um, they are concerned about what life will be like for them. But most of those people are not just NIMBY people push problems into other suburbs. Mostly they're thinking about the long-term future of the suburbs, of how suburbs might work, of people living alongside each other and wanting the best scenario for people to be able to live together within suburbs um, in the future because developers and bureaucrats are not going to be living in those areas necessarily, most likely not, and so they don't care if um, they leave behind a legacy which... um, which uh, is totally untenable for local residents. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Tell me about that experience of working in council for results. Well, I think, you know, I'm only one vote on Mullen Council. Well, that's exactly right. (laughs) So um, I certainly don't even necessarily have a guarantee of someone to second any motions I put forward. And so I've really relied on working with the community. And in fact... The community is like a brains trust as well because, you know, Social Alliance has a lot of policies and we, but we don't have policies on absolutely every little tiny issue. And so that we've affects got to, people. That's right. And so we're sort of, but we've generally guided by people before profit, environment before profit. Um, so we're very much anti privatisation, anti the corporate rich and so forth. And that guides us. But You know, lots of residents um, who are committed to a particular issue go away and do all sorts of research and put forward proposals to me. And, you know, so some some things which I've um, come up with and put forward and advocated on council have been things which residents have advocated to me, which are totally in accord with our philosophy, our, our viewpoint, our socialist viewpoint. And so it has been very much working with a lot of people in the community. And then issues where the community is at loggerheads with the council council bureaucrats on particular issues or, or state government as well, like with the East-West Link, um, is the critical thing is the grassroots campaign because while it's just some a few scattered individuals up against the bureaucracy, it's easy for the bureaucracy to say, oh, no, our stats don't show that that's a problem, blah, 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 which might be around traffic issues or pedestrian safety or, or on a particular street or whatever. And so you have to really uh, – what I do is – if it's an issue that affects more than one person, I try to get people to 
talk to each other if they're able to and collect petitions, door knock their local street. Because um, it's about focus, isn't it? Because when a bureaucrat talks about statistics, and it's exactly the same with the public housing issue, the state government can say, oh, our stats show that there's an increased need for one-bedroom and two-bedroom houses. But that's from this statistical point of view. You bring the camera in to a closer closer focus and what you're finding is that the lived experience of people in the environment doesn't actually gel with that broader view on a statistical level. That's exactly right and with statistics <coughs> you I mean the statistics aren't necessarily wrong mm. they're just not what's being you can make them answer any question. That's right because it's how how the um the purpose of the statistics, what the statistics are asking or measuring, uh, which can be incorrect. So you could say, you could put um, a device in one part of a street and say, oh, there's no problem with, um, you know, traffic, uh, the amount of cars or trucks or whatever in this part of the street. But if you move that measuring device a block or two away, then you might get a totally different picture. And so the local residents, in my opinion, uh, or people who live the experiences, you put it perfectly, whether it's workers in a factory or white-collar work for a workplace or whether it's residents living on a street, they know their environment better than any bureaucrat or council or politician who comes and visits for five minutes. Um, so they know that what goes on and they're, they're the experts generally. Now, obviously, you need other information as well. And so usually what I try to do is get people to talk to each other, do a petition. Maybe uh, I might help people organise a local residence meeting um, and then people might come to the council as a group to use that little tiny bit of democracy that we've got that you don't get with state and federal parliament, which is the half hour of question time, which the other councils are always trying to squeeze, cut down, limit what questions people can ask. But to use that question time, because it means that then residents get to eyeball the councillors, they get to eyeball the council directors, uh, and also they're talking to the community because there'll be other residents there for, and the council meeting for other issues who might also be familiar with the issue. And and so that is using that little bit of formal democratic space we have, which I'm sure state government and local councils would like to get rid of. Um, and then you can have a campaign. You can you can start to have an impact directly. And create traction. Yeah, and so it's on that basis that I've managed to get a number of things through in council. Now, tell me, does that mean that uh, your influence, just as one person, uh, there has been a discernible influence on council decisions over the time that you have been a councillor? Oh, yes, definitely, on, <coughs> on, on, a number of, uh, on a number of issues because I think a lot of councils do have some, a lot of, especially some of the inner city councils I'm talking about probably more so here, have some very progressive policies on the books, but often there's a, they're a bit superficial. Mm. Um, they, they don't walk the, the walk the talk. Yeah, they, I mean... They you, want the feather in the cap, but they don't yeah, want to actually... The, they use all sorts of terms about social inclusion yeah, and yeah. 
multiculturalism and this and that. But then under, if you skim away the t- surface of that, um, they're sort of reluctant to talk about racism. Um, actually, interpreter services are not what they're cracked up to be. We get the impression that government, state governments, federal governments, local councils offer all of these wonderful interpreter services for people who don't um, speak good English. Yeah, I know. Um, but actually, in the reality, most of those interpreter services, especially at the local council area, I discovered with a major uh, blue that was happening in Faulkner, most of it is really only capable of dealing with people with very simple inquiries like paying a bill. Yeah. So more um, more complicated issues like around the planning scheme and objections and so forth, a lot of elderly migrants who came in the days when they went straight to work and didn't really have access to English language classes, that layer of residence is totally cut out. Um, they don't get a chance to really have a say unless they've got a son or daughter or neighbour who speaks both English and their language and and also has the knowledge with uh, to be able to interpret planning speak as well. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So I mean, it was like an issue like issues it, like that. I mean, it was like the early report I had about Atherton Gardens and the people going up to talk to uh, the public housing people and the public housing people hiding because they're scared of the people they're actually supposed to be talking to. Mm. Uh, uh, there were a whole range of things going on there. Here you've got this infrastructure that's supposedly dealing with. Uh, issues, but they don't want to talk to the people mm. who have issues. Mm. And then they put in uh, rules like they've shut down the community uh, hall and the fresh food bank, mm. and, they, and they did it uni- unilaterally. Mm. They didn't have any discussion. Yeah. And so on the surface, it looks like it's all in order. I know that's not your issue, mm-hmm. but all I'm saying is it looks mm-hmm. like it's all in order. But you go and poke your finger in and mm-hmm. you discover, oh, my goodness. Mm-hmm. I mean, if it was happening to you, you'd be a bit upset too. No, absolutely. And I think there's a lot of, a lot of, uh, a lot of aspects like that in councils. It's not just councils. No, but no. that's where I'm directly. And you are exactly right. So there's a lot of... It looks all nice, nice, yeah. nice on the outside, but if you go inside, it's all a little bit uh, honky. That's right. And so one of the issues I took up on council was about council's interpreter services. And I wanted to get a review of council, the interpreter services offered by council to residents. Uh, and this is because of a planning issue in an area um, of a factory across the road from houses which had grown far, yeah, grown far too big for a residential area. And, you know, most of the residents cut out of the issues and where the noise from the factory was affecting people's sleep and the semi had they had semi-trailers backing up people's driveways to get the swing into the factory and and so forth. And so when I took that up I, on council, I couldn't get a seconder because I was perceived <laughs> a wonderful Moreland progressive council. Um, I couldn't get a seconder. And then um, they had a urban planning committee meeting where I did manage to win that there would be an interpreter present for that meeting. I shouldn't have had to fight so hard for that. Um, I did manage to get an interpreter. They were 
the council is clearly not used to using interpreters in that format. They didn't uh, deal with the case in a professional way. And but what it did mean, because for the first time ever there'd been an interpreter for these residents, oh, um, they all they knew let what it was all going ha- on. they let it all hang out. And basically, then I uh, that meant the meeting, this one item in the meeting went, you know, for hours. And so then I was able to get a seconder at the next meeting to um, get a review of the interpreter services. But there are a range of issues where you know the most recent one. Uh, which I did manage to win on council, uh, and but I wouldn't have been able to win it without a community campaign, is to get um, the council to reject a development application on a toxic site in Faulkner where uh, New Farm, uh, which produces a, a multinational, which uh, produces terrible chemicals, including the chemicals that make up uh, Agent Orange, 24D and yeah. 245T. Yeah. And initially the council and the council officers treated me and the residents as hysterical idiots who didn't know what they were talking about. and were Because exactly, we have science in our back pocket. Yeah, we were, we were, we were sort of accused of um, creating unnecessary fear amongst residents. But eventually the council did reject that application. It's now before VCAT. But that's a bit of an example of where the campaign, which I've been integral to helping the campaign, but there's some wonderful residents in Faulkner. Um, You know, if it wasn't for that resident campaign, this would have just sailed through council and I probably would have been either the only vote against it or one of only three votes against it. So um, what you're really presence... saying is that councillors have to actually uh, front their electorate effectively and explain themselves. Oh, absolutely. And also for from the residents' point of view, it's not just enough to hope that you put a, con- uh, a good argument to councillors. No, you have to work um, for it. You actually have to fight for it and campaign for it in the community. So we have to, this is a fascinating discussion. We have to finish it there because the program comes to an end every Saturday. So we've just been talking to Sue Bolton, fascinating discussion uh, about, you know, nuts and bolts, progressive politics. Uh, don't forget that uh, there's a ticket coming, uh, a socialist ticket for the November election in the Victorian Parliament. Uh, coming up next is Asia Pacific Currents. Uh, we're going to go out with Give Me One Reason, Tracy Chapman.
Listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.